Ohio. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us this morning on Lincoln Live. For millions of people, it isn't Christmas without the Charlie Brown special. The music for that special, and most of the other Charlie Brown specials, comes from Vince Guaraldi. Five years ago, I was privileged to spend the better part of an hour with Derek Bang, author of Vince Guaraldi at the Piano. This morning on Lincoln Live, sit back and enjoy part one of my conversation with Derek. Then tomorrow morning, enjoy part two. And along the way, enjoy some Vince Guaraldi music on Lincoln Live. Merry Christmas. Good grief. It was 1965 when we first watched A Charlie Brown Christmas. Well, today on Lincoln Live, we focus on Charles Schultz, but particularly the music featured in A Charlie Brown Christmas and in those Peanuts specials. Derek Bang is with me today. He's the author of Vince Guaraldi at the Piano. Derek, thank you very much for joining me, and thank you very much for writing about this great composer. Oh, thank you for having noticed. You know what they say about starving authors. We need all the book sales we can get. Well, you've written at least five books, Derek, about Charles Schultz or Peanuts. Uh, curious, before we get into Vince Guaraldi, from where does your fascination with the cartoon and the cartoonist come? Well, I was a young kid, four or five years old, uh, in the late 50s, early 60s, and when I started to read, I did so with the help of those little faucet crest paperback reprint collections of Peanuts newspaper strips. They were a heck of a lot more fun than C. Dick and Jane books. So you got your education out of the out of the comic strips. Not a bad place I, to get it back I then, did. I guess. And I, you know, that's that's the way to do it. And I started reading the Daily Strip uh, shortly thereafter in the Los Angeles Times, which was the paper we got where I was growing up in Southern California. And like so many other people, flash forward a few years later, I would have been 10 years old, parked in front of the TV set with my parents and two younger sisters on December 9th, 1965, when... Charlie Brown and Snoopy and the gang first appeared in A Charlie Brown Christmas. And, you know, as much as I loved seeing that happen, I was just blown away by the music. Even at the age of 10, it just deeply jazzed me. There's no other word for it. And, of course, the credits roll by so quickly at the end of that show, I had no idea who had performed it. Well, that's a perfect lead-in to Vince Guaraldi. Introduce us to this San Francisco jazz pianist. Well, he grew up in the San Francisco area. He was very popular in high school for the way that he had a facility for spinning boogie-woogie off on a piano, if there happened to be one in uh, the room. And after doing a little bit of time in the Korean War, he came back to San Francisco and started jamming and performing with anybody he could. Initially, his first big break came when he became part of the original Cal Chater Trio in the early 1950s, and he stuck with Cal for a while. They recorded a little bit during that first uh, unit incarnation, and then he went off and worked with a few other people, uh, went on the road with Woody Herman 
and the Thundering Herd in 1956, and then came back in late 56, 57, 58, and early 59, and worked with Chater again in a couple of different quintets. He was a busy little boy, so by the time the 50s gave way to the 60s, Guaraldi was ready to move on and start fronting his own units, and there was a reason for this. If you listen to the stuff that he did with Chater and even Woody Herman and pay attention to his solos when he was given the opportunity to do so, you can hear these marvelous little passages that felt like their own little melodies, and you could just tell that this was a talent who had the ability and was ready to start composing his own stuff. So it was only natural that he start fronting his own units. Let's go back to that first recording in November of 53 with the Cal Chater Trio. It was simple, but it was catchy. It was Chopsticks Mambo by Vince Guaraldi with the Cal Chater Trio. Then he went on to be part of other jazz groups, starting with his own trio in 1955. You've taken us a little bit through this, uh, Derek. But it wasn't until a 1962 jazz album, Impressions of Black Orpheus, inspired by a French-Brazilian film, Black Orpheus, which won an Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film, that Garaldi was really noticed. Fantasy Records released Samba de Orpheus, a single. But then radio DJs, as, <laughs> as independent-minded as we are, flipped it over and, and played the B-side. It was Garaldi's Cast Your Fate to the Wind. It, it sounds like that piece there, Cast Your Fate to the Wind, would fit into a Peanuts cartoon. There's a reason for that. And backing up a little bit, you're absolutely right. Garaldi was enchanted by the music from Black Orpheus, and that was the reason that he put together that album. He wanted to do his own arrangements of that film's four primary themes. But having done that much music, it only filled about half the album. So he was left with the B-side, which featured his covers of a couple of then-current pop tunes and two originals, Almaville and the one you mentioned, Cast Your Fate to the Wind. And you're right. It's a bossa nova precursor to the Peanuts music, and the reason it sounds that way, and it's difficult for us to do at this point in time because these days you hear Linus and Lucy or Skating or Red Baron or any of the other several dozen very popular Peanuts themes that he did for about 11 years during the tail end of his career it's difficult to divorce those sounds from the characters but if you do it if you sit down and really try you'll discover they're all bossa nova themes they're pure bossa nova they were an offshoot of the fascination that the entire country had with bossa nova in the early 1960s of course this was the time of the girl from Ipanema and all the wonderful albums that Stan Getz was also putting out so there's a reason, I think, in part, that Garaldi's Peanuts music has lived to this day. It's because it's cheerful music. You can't listen to it without smiling. And I think that was true of a lot of the bossa nova cool sound of the early 1960s. 
pointing to Giraldi's personality, I read an account where he was not off-put by fans asking him to do Cast Your Fate to the Wind, even though it was a B-side. He said it's like signing the back of a check. Drummer Jerry Grinelli loves to tell a story. Um, he was working with Giraldi at this point in time about how Cast Your Fate to the Wind came to be put on the B-side of that 45. Fantasy didn't want to do it. Fantasy's Max Weiss wanted to put something else from the album. But Garaldi was insistent. He really believed in that song. He'd been refining it and working on it since at least 1958, but this was the first time he'd had an opportunity to record it. And according to Grinelli, Garaldi got so enraged that he jumped on top of Max Weiss's desk and literally threw a temper tantrum until Weiss finally caved in and said, okay, fine, we'll do it. Now, I don't know if that's actually true, but it makes a great story. I pointed out that Cast Your Fate to the Wind does have, uh, it sounds like it would fit into a Peanuts cartoon. That's exactly what Lee Mendelson thought, producer of a new Peanuts documentary in the works at that time, uh, when he heard it on the radio, traveling uh, in a taxi cab on the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. So tell us how Garaldi and Mendelssohn hooked up. Well, Mendelssohn heard the song, as you pointed out, on a then-popular jazz radio station, and as quickly as he could, he found a payphone, which, you know, that was the only option back in those days. He got in touch with Garaldi, and Garaldi accepted the assignment, and then a couple of weeks went by, and Mendelssohn was in his studio one day when the phone rang. He answered, it turned out to be Garaldi, who said, I got something that I think is going to be just right for the Peanuts stuff, and I want to play it for you. And Mendelssohn said, okay, fine, uh, you know, give me 15, 20 minutes and I'll drive right over. And Garaldi said, no, 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 you don't understand. I have to play it for you right now. And Mendelssohn said, well, I don't want to hear it on the phone. You know, I'll lose the highs and the lows. It, you know, it just won't sound the same. And Garaldi said, no, I have to play it for you now. Mendelssohn finally caved. And what he heard next over the phone was what was to become Linus and Lucy. Mendelssohn, looking back on those long ago events, and he loves to tell this story, he will insist that at that moment he knew that the final missing magical ingredient had been found, which would perfectly complement the show that he was putting together. And of course, Derek, over the years, it just takes a few notes to put a person in the place of watching a Peanuts special because that Linus and Lucy song is so synonymous with Snoopy and Charlie Brown and Lucy and Linus and all the other characters. Yes, in great part, although I would also argue that if you play a few notes of skating, people immediately think of the skating sequence. And, of course, how can we leave out the iconic vocal, Christmas time is here, which has become a standard and 
that's a really magical thing because when Giraldi was interviewed back in 1963 on camera by San Francisco jazz critic Ralph Gleason for a documentary that he made called Anatomy of a Hit, which profiled the evolution of Cast Your Fate to the Wind, Gleason asked Giraldi the question, so what's it like to have written a hit? And Giraldi's response, and I'm paraphrasing here, was very wise. He acknowledged that it was a great thing, but pointed out that hits are ephemeral. They come, they go. What I really like to do, he went on to say, is write a standard. Well, he died in 1976 at the age of 47, which was much too soon to begin with, and before he had the opportunity to see all these years later what we now know, he did indeed deliver some standards. Linus and Lucy is absolutely a standard. Cast Your Fate to the Wind has become a standard. So has Christmas Time is Here, which at this time of the year, every December, is covered by another couple dozen recording artists. We started the show with Christmas Time is Here. We'll end the first portion of this conversation with Derek Bang with another of Vince Guaraldi's pieces from A Charlie Brown Christmas. It is your 50th Christmas, Charlie Brown. The 50th anniversary of this Peanuts special is airing this month. We're talking about uh, a later, a new book, Vince Guaraldi at the Piano from Derek Bang. Make a great Christmas gift, wouldn't you agree, Derek? Oh, hey, I'm a starving author. Yeah. We need all the book sales we can get. It's called Vince Guaraldi at the Piano. Derek Bang, the author. He's my guest today on Lincoln Live. We'll leave you with some Vince Guaraldi. Come on back. We have more conversation on Lincoln Live. And that's how we will leave it until tomorrow morning. Join us at 845 for more Derek Bang and more Vince Guaraldi music as we get ready for the Christmas season. That's tomorrow on Lincoln Live. I'm Dale Johnson.